Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of She Builds Podcast, where we typically share the untold stories of historical women in the building and construction industry. I'm Jessica Rogers, going to have margaritas with my mamacita, Marta Leonor, in Miami, Florida. I'm Nargeri Rivas, daughter of the GOAT, Norma Villalongo, currently residing in Houston, Texas. And I'm Lizzie Rar giving a shout out to my mom, Carolyn Rar, the Renaissance woman herself from San Francisco, California. Yay! Happy belated Mother's Day Woo. to our mamas. Yeah! All right, ladies, another great season in the books. We are here. We Woo. made it to episode 80. Yeah! It's that time of the season again when we reflect on the past nine episodes. It was so nice to share a little more about ourselves and talk about each of our homes and how they're special to us. It was nostalgic for me and nice to have a chance to reflect on the places that we've lived and the lives that we've lived there. Yeah, I really enjoyed learning more about the places that you all lived and these ladies who had connections to them. Yes. That was nice. This season just seemed like a comforting hug, a comforting pace, <laughs> especially after coming off of last season, which was the wild card season. You know, we had a lot of things change in the wild card season. It was just wild. But this season, you know, it was straightforward. Behind the scenes wise, at least we knew what places we wanted to talk about. We knew the order of our episodes and for some episodes, we could even go to visit the places that we talked about on the show. Yeah. And we put those ladies in order of when we lived in the places. So the season kind of follows the story of our lives, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, does. That's true. Jessica, I remember that you were hoping that this season we would learn more about each other. Do you think we did? I think so. I mean, we've known each other for over 15 years, but we're still... Through this uh, this season, at least, we were able to learn a little bit more 
of these places and what they meant to us. Like, Lizzie, I mean, I remember when you were in the Netherlands and I just I feel like all I knew was that you were there and that you loved it. But I didn't know all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was fun to tell you more about my time there. I'd love to go back at some point. I was really surprised that this season there were so many connections that we kept finding between the ladies that we chose and us. Like, sure, yeah. they lived in the same location as us, but many of them shared several homes with us or different history and interests. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that might have been my favorite part of our season. Just that, like, you know, in regular seasons, we can typically find something that we can relate to when we research our ladies. But this season, like our ladies, they were like roaming around the same places that we did. They were involved in the same spaces or even affected how our daily lives were while we lived in those said places, past or present. So, yes. Oh, that's very cool. I was really shocked at all the connections with our own stories. It was really fun. <laughs> we I did notice that people. the ladies were ultra connected with us, but they were not so connected with each other as much as other seasons, I think. I think in previous seasons, at least two of the ladies are somehow connected, but I don't remember that happening this season. Do you? Well, there were two ladies that I can think of. There was episode 72, Marion. She would move to Miami because of work. And then uh, episode 75, Lady Olive, she would move to Fort Lauderdale, which is near Miami. So there's a slight connection there. Yeah, I think there were still connections. Like we also had two ladies who went to Cornell, Gertie and Olive. And Charlotte was from upstate New York, too. I felt like there were a lot of upstate New York connections. Emily mm. was also at Syracuse, you know, like there were. Yeah, there were definitely connections. But I'm not sure is that that they were as connected as like Nargiri says, like where sure. they might have known each other. Yeah. Right. yeah. Another connection. Like, I mean, well, at least one of our caryatids uh, went to Cornell. Jacqueline Toussaint, episode 72. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. past and present connection. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess now that you mention it like that, I do. I agree. There were a lot of upstate New York connections. Even um, episode 77, Charlotte Baldwin Allen. She was from Onondaga County area, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that. I remember that I wanted to look into the timelines of the ladies that went to Cornell. So I did. OK, so check this out. Gertie was 14 when Cornell rejected her for being too young to get into the program. And that was around 1937 or 1938. Now, Olive was 16 when Cornell accepted her. And that was around 1920. So I wonder what happened. Why didn't Gertie apply to Cornell two years later when she was 16? I mean, there was precedent for a 16-year-old woman being accepted. Do you think maybe Olive had something to do with it? Like maybe after she left, the Cornell people thought, mm, 16 is too young. We got to raise that age to 18. Or what do you <laughs> think happened? Let's start some rumors. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I mean I think I mentioned it in Gertie's episode that I feel like I don't know they feel 16 feels older somehow right um 
or just like with school and stuff. Like, I feel like I know people who went to college at 16, but I'm not sure why Gertie didn't reapply, though. I guess that could support the theory we had that some of the work in that five year timeline, quote unquote, happened before she went to Cornell. If she was like doing internships and things while she waited to go to school, maybe she was like, I don't have as much of an urge to go right away at 16. I'll wait a couple more years. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the same thing, too. Like, I remember us questioning Gertie's uh, accomplishments or not questioning, but just like Jessica was questioning. I, at least I her had a accomplishments. doubt. <laughs> I had doubts just like, girl, how'd you do all this? Um, but when we think about it in this way, in terms of that gap between when she started school and when she actually when she applied and got rejected. So I don't know, maybe she was just too busy doing her thing that she was like, I'll yeah. put school later which actually makes me feel better so i'm glad we talked about this at the end of the season because i'm not gonna <laughs> lie sometimes i think about it too much <laughs> so thank you all right well yeah i mean that makes sense to me that she was busy doing her thing working and in her internships and then yeah so she didn't have time to go to college. But actually, speaking of Gertie, after episode 71 came out, I found out that the Colegio de Arquitectos of Puerto Rico, which is our local architecture organization, started a scholarship in Gertie's honor, awarding $1,500 towards women pursuing licensure to help finance the ARES. As of now, women make up about 28% of licensed architects in Puerto Rico. So it's important to work on raising that number. I just really love this initiative. The first winner was Liz Natal Lopez. So congrats to Liz. We're super excited for you to become licensed. Yeah. Yes. That's so cool. Also, the colegio, it's to me, it's interesting as its own architecture organization because it's unique to Puerto Rico. So it's only for those practicing in, in Puerto Rico. So, but I, yeah, this initiative is great. Yeah. Congrats to Liz. This is really cool that they started a scholarship to honor Gertie. I love that she's still getting recognition now. Yeah. We'll add a link to the scholarship information and the press release about the winner on our show notes. So be sure to check those out. Nice. Well, ladies, we also learned about heraldry this season on episode 73. <laughs> In case you forgot. <laughs> Never. <laughs> well, who knew one of our ladies would be an expert on this subject and write a book about it. But we got an email from a listener to tell us more about heraldry. So we be learning still. We keep on learning. Yeah, always. <laughs> Shout out to Michaela P for giving us some more info on heraldry within the Greek life system. So she confirmed for us that Emily's book is not required reading for all sorority and fraternity members. Very sad. But (laughs) (laughs) they do learn about the significance of like their own organization's crest, symbols, meanings, etc., which means that they start to recognize other groups by their symbols, colors, etc., even without the Greek letters. So it's definitely like a part of being in a sorority or fraternity that you kind of start to learn those things about other um, other groups and chapters. Yeah. If anything, you learn more about your own heraldry than (laughs) 
everybody else's. Yeah, but she was kind of saying that like even other ones, you start to recognize them even without the Greek letters. Just by colors. Yeah, like just by colors and symbols and stuff, because like you kind of you just get to know whose is whose and things like that, you know? Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I love when listeners chime in and like let us know what's up. I also loved this further conversation on our hot topic of the season, heraldry. (laughs) So I, I love that we just keep keeping it going. Keep keep it going. Yeah. I found that part about sororities recognizing each other just from their symbols and colors. Super interesting. I think that I'd be geeking into that if I lived that Greek life for sure. Mm. Oh, <laughs> Lizzie, remember when you asked me for information about the inception of the town of Baldwinsville when we discussed Charlotte Baldwin Allen on episode 77? Yes, I do. Do you have more information for me? Do you have answers to all my questions? Tell me all the I things. I do. <laughs> Well, I don't remember if I'm going to answer all your questions, but I'll try. <laughs> they do read my mind. Have a wiki. <laughs> they have a Wikipedia page and everything. So I told you Charlotte's dad, Dr. <laughs> Jonas Baldwin, started the town. According to Wikipedia, he built a dam across the Seneca River to generate energy and a private canal for boats to cross and keep a water highway. So... If there's a water highway going on, I bet it was a pop in place with <laughs> this water highways mm-hmm. and stuff. The total population yeah. was not only Dr. Jonas and his family, like we joked about on the episode. Uh, good. <laughs> and according to various sources, including a genealogy website, he is named the founder of Baldwinsville. So there you go. And today oh. it's 3.2 square miles with a population of 7,898 people. I'd say that's a good sized town. So maybe it was just them at the start since he started it and named it after himself. But it sounds like he made things happen so that it was like appealing for more people. So they were like, hey, this Baldwinsville sounds all right. Let's go there. Right. Yeah, maybe. And, and you know, it's the water inter- highways. Yeah. It's interesting to think about that. Her father started a town and then she started Houston. I so know. It runs well, in the family. Was like, you said that uh, when yeah. you, during yeah. your episode. I was like, what is it with these people founding all these towns? And I think I joked about them being the only people there because I was like, he founded the town and he named it after himself. So that feels like there were no other opinions as to what to name it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like they were like, this is it. We're we're starting Baldwinsville. And then he was like, come join us. I built this dam. (laughs) Okay, but to actually go back to that episode, because didn't Charlotte, like someone had told her, like, why don't we name Houston Charlottesville? And she was like, uh, no. That's true. So maybe it's because after she saw what happened with her papa, she was like, I don't want to do that. That was actually kind (laughs) of lame. That was like a lame dad move. What? Like the dad joke of founding cities or something? Like Exactly. Two on the nose. Two on the nose. That's funny. So she already knew. (laughs) Yeah, that is funny. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Here we are, uh, starting rumors. That's right. More rumors. Like you you wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Now 
at the end of every season, I always get really excited about this is, you know, when we talk about our favorites that stood out in our little game that we like to play. Um, so, ladies, we are going to pick our favorite episode besides our own. But plot twist, which city would you move to to work for that lady? So it could be either um, the episode can be different uh than the than the city that you would move to so just episode and then city mm. lizzie you go first okay interesting all right for favorite episode that isn't one of mine i gotta go with charlotte baldwin allen from episode 77 i just found that whole mm-hmm. story of how houston got founded super interesting and i love that there was a woman yeah. behind it um mm-hmm. but for the city that i would move to I got to go with moving to Rome to work with Maria from episode 74, because first off, Italy. Second off, sounds like she was really shaking and baking with all the different types of projects and things that she was doing. But, you know, maybe I'd move there post fascism because. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Lizzie. Um, I'll go next. So I found Emily Helen Butterfield episode 73. Super interesting. All the things that we learned about that we've already discussed, sororities, heraldry, <laughs> her being the postal something of somewhere. Um, <laughs> I just. Postmaster <laughs> General. That. <laughs> and also like all the Syracuse pride, you know, we bleed orange. Mm. So it was great to learn so. about a Syracuse lady. Go Qs. Go Qs. And as for where would I live, I would like to live for a while in the Netherlands, walk or bike everywhere, visit Nardum Bussum with episode 76 Lady Jacoba Mulder. That sounds great. Yes, I am with you, Najri. I would love to move to Amsterdam to work with Co. Or Jacoba. Um, and actually, she was probably my favorite episode of the season that wasn't mine. So double whammy i'd move she was my favorite story and i'd move to go work with her all right maybe we can work together Ah, uh, just yeah so from your own episodes which lady would you pick up your bags and move to work for them so like a little same question different lady or maybe you wouldn't move depending on if you pick someone that lives where you do right now looking at you jessica mm-hmm. yep <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I would definitely move to Amsterdam to work with Jacoba from episode 76. Like I said before, I loved living there. And I also just think it would be really cool to work on the urban planning of a growing city. Mm-hmm. In this yeah. case, in my mind, I'm going back in time. But even if I'm not like it would still be cool to go and figure out solutions for the current city. Yeah. I mean, the project's. Like if her firm was still continuing on, even yeah. if she wasn't there. There's still you know, like the, an urban planning department, right? And they're still right. you know, doing the things. But it would have been cool. cool to like go back in time and kind of work on it as it was expanding so much. Yeah. So Yeah. All right. So for me, part of me, uh, I mean, Norjiri, you hinted at it. But yeah, I would stay home. I would stay here in Miami and I would work with Mary. I thought so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because like no, I mean, yeah, there no fault to um 
my other ladies like Olive or Ethel, uh, 75 and 78, you know, but on that same breath, though, like there is a reason why I left Virginia and New York. It's just, <laughs> you know, I I mean, I they're cool, but home is home. And even though they were a part of my home at one point, you know, I wanted to live in the place where, quote, the most welcoming breezes were, you know, that's from Marion. So Marion knew what was up. Yeah. I wanted to be where the breeze was. I can't blame you. I want those welcoming breezes, too. But Mm -hmm. I would choose to work with Maria in Bologna, not in Rome. Yeah. Hey, designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. The official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and and they have been improving. But compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tales behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today. I would oh. do it because I really, really liked Bologna. But like Lizzie said, I would do it today because I'm definitely not interested in working in Italy in the time of fascism. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would like it. to work with her because she's a civil engineer. So I think that'd be interesting to see what mm-hmm. that's like. Maybe I'd get into philosophical discussions with her about libertarianism. All of that sounds good to me. <laughs> that's so you it's interesting though (laughs) yeah right so energy um it's interesting though when we talk about like this wrap-up it feels different than other wrap-ups because one like just this concept of home but it's the role that our play our ladies played but then there's like this other underlining theme of like what the city or in this case the country played like how much of a factor that is on how and where we could live or where mm-hmm. we had lived. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool. Yeah. And and the time period, too, is also specific because now we would have to think about. Yeah. That yeah. But I want to deal with fascism. No. In our oppressed country. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. <laughs> well, no. Lizzie, who would you party with, vacation with or start a business with out of your ladies? OK. I think I would party with Ruth. She seems real feisty and like she's a fun time, you know, mm-hmm. she's got sass. <laughs> nice. Um, 
I'd start a business with Emily because she was the president of the that women's business club in Detroit. So that seems like mm. she'd have some good knowledge for us in our business. Yeah. And then I guess that leaves vacationing with Co. I'm not sure if Co was much of a traveler, really. <laughs> but <laughs> it would be traveling for me to go to Amsterdam. But then maybe we could go back to Indonesia where she grew up and we visit Borobudur together. Relive her childhood. Nice. That would be good. Yes. But without the without the without malaria. Without the malaria. Yeah. Yeah. We can none of that. do without that. <laughs> no, Judy, which lady would you take to build a colony on the moon? Ooh, interesting. Uh, I'm gonna have to pick a lady that's not mine. I would take episode 78, Ethel Bailey Furman. Because she focused on residential Mm -hmm. architecture and she had over 200 projects in her lifetime. So that seems like a person that you'd build a good sized colony with. I like it. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's solid reasoning. Okay, Jessica. Survivor, amazing Mm -hmm. race or race to survive Alaska. Which lady would you pick to be your ally and partner on which show? Oh, that's so specific. <laughs> I know. These are like, it's because I watch all of these shows and they're all of my favorites. Okay. So, <laughs> Race to Survive Alaska is the show that I'm going to pick because that's the latest show that I'm watching and it's current. And I'm going to pull a Nerdy move. I'm not going to pick one of my ladies. I'm actually going to pick episode 79 ruth because she was a canoeer a sailor a sailor (laughs) a sailor Um, something in the water she was she did the water things (laughs) yes because i mean i don't know about our other ladies this season if they were part of the nature surviving part but in race to alaska canoeing is a part of the race and it also seems like the easiest part of the race but i think with ruth by my side we would kill it i don't know how sailing translates to canoeing that's what i was just gonna say something related with a boat and a water it's more it's not the same set of skills Whatever, it's more skills than I have. Okay, okay. as I can it swim, relates but to I'm boats. not gonna do. Okay, as it relates to bo- oh, another added element. You know how I like boats. I'm gonna. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica just wants to Maybe get in a boat fished. with somebody else who likes boats. Okay, exactly. That Maybe sense. that's what it is. But yeah, <laughs> ladies, are there any clarifications or corrections that you need to make about this season? Ooh, yes. Okay. So I'm glad. Um, See, this is why the wrap up is sometimes it's usually like one of my favorite parts of the season. But okay. so for me, I actually have a clarification that I need to make. Um, And it's going to be for episode 75 on uh, Olive uh, Olive Chodden. Right. She was an architect. Now, I also I should have known better because it's not like I mean, I'm we're not Cornelians like we didn't go to Cornell. So I. I didn't I didn't know. I didn't have that ocular proof to go back on. But <laughs> a new fan to the show and fellow history aficionado, Christian Nielsen Palacios, who actually went to Cornell, he mentioned that the building that I um he told me that the building that I mentioned on the show that was named after Olive, um, it's not actually the school of architecture building, which I assumed. 
um, it's actually just it belongs to their art department. So it's on the it's like a an art building. Mm. Um, it has a gallery and stuff. So I also like boohoo to the research that I saw because <laughs> it never mentioned or talked about this like whole artist slash architect. Like I <laughs> I focus so much on the architect part and not the artist part. And like, why didn't it come up as easily? But I don't know. Uh, so, yes, I need to clarify. It's the Department of Art, not the Department of Architecture building. Uh, but I don't know. Even despite how annoyed I was that it wasn't accurate. I do feel more connected to her because of this whole like art architect thing. So anyway, thank you, Christian. Shout out to Christian for clarifying that for me. Yeah. Love getting listener feedback. This is so great. Like we say, if we get our facts a little mixed up, forgive us and let us know. We'll continue learning. This is great. Yep. I actually I think it's kind of even cooler that it's the art department building and she has a gallery in there. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. It's just as an architecture, like if I was an architecture student, though, like I would have wanted to be in the building named after an architect, not some rich person or, you know, (laughs) just, I don't know. Well, um, let's share a few (laughs) things happening outside of the show. Uh, March of this year was very busy for us. We had a great conversation about the women who shape architecture. During Context mm-hmm. and Clarity Live with Jeff Eccles and Catherine McPhail. Great show. And they also have a great podcast. Everyone should check it out. We also had the opportunity to sponsor a talk with students of the ACE Mentorship Program. And we were also a guest of Girl Chat hosted by the group Girls in Civil, where we had a chance to dig deep into her story. Then in April, we were invited to present at the firm Payatok, where we shared our stories with the firm and they offered a lot of good feedback and suggestions for future shows. So that was a lot of fun. I just want to say thank you again to Context and Clarity, Ace, Girls in Civil and Payatok for the invitations and for all the great work that you do. Listeners, Check out our show notes to links to our conversations with Context and Clarity and Girls in Civil. Uh, yeah, we were busy, y'all. We did a lot of stuff. That's right. Uh, so dur- during Booked and Busy. Okay, so during last season's wrap up, when that one aired, we were in Costa Rica. Um, so we do have a charrette plan to talk about what we did and what we saw in Costa Rica. So just stay tuned because we'll probably do that after this season airs or sorry, this episode airs. So, you know, keep your ears to uh, to have your notifications up on She Builds Podcast. Um, but we also did uh, Lizzie and Najidi. They went to Boston to support a friend and listener of the show, Joanne, who ran the Boston Marathon back in April. So, hey, girl, hi. Um, just like in the next couple of weeks after this episode airs, the three of us, we're going to get together in Philly to visit some friends and have our 10 year college reunion. Yeah, that's good. I'm excited for that. Um, oh, also, if, uh, you guys are going to the AIA conference this June in San Francisco, you might see some familiar faces. Wink, wink. Still got to buy my plane ticket, though. But um, <laughs> Lizzie will be there because yeah, she's a San Francisco and SF. 
because she lives there. So she's going to be there. So I don't know. Maybe we should do a, a hang coffee meetup thing. So Something. listeners, if y'all are going to be at the AIA conference in San Francisco, give us a shout. We would love to meet you. That's right. Uh, we also launched merch this season. You should go and check it out at our website, shebuildspodcast.com backslash merch and get yourself some swag. We got T-shirts, crewnecks, notebooks, mugs, stickers, sweatpants. We got all the things. So please go take a look and treat yourself. If you get something, please take a photo and tag us on the socials and tell everyone you know about the show. Yes. We're wearing it right now. We are wearing it right now. You know, I love that we have merch because it's become like my uniform whenever like I'm in podcast mode. It's like, oh, I'm in podcast mode. Let me put on my SBP like sweater. And it like just like like Superman, you like rip off your shirt and it's underneath or something. Yeah. And reveal my She Does Podcast shirt. Yeah. Or like I put on the pants and I'm like, I'm walking in She Builds podcast. Like Every move I make is towards that. Nice. But I mean, I mean, that's just a testament of how much I love our stuff. It's yeah. like good stuff. Like uh, my She Builds uh, podcast, like water bottle, like it's become like my security water bottle. Like I take it with me everywhere. And then <laughs> like the sweatshirt shorts that I have, they're so comfortable. So it's just, yeah, I, I love it. And I love the conversation that it brings up when people see it. So hi. A merch. Uh, okay. So yes, we have a lot of exciting things that we did this uh, past season, but I am so excited to get into our next season as we start to develop it. So with that said, we are excited to share the theme for next season. So drum roll, please. Next season's theme is Inventors! Yeah! Excited stuff! Yes, so we'll be talking about women who invented things that shaped the built environment or the profession in some way, shape, or form. We're also excited to talk about this topic because um, we saw something in USA Today that as of 2018, only 10% of U.S. patent holders were women, even though half of doctoral degrees in science and engineering are held by women. And this is because the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office is more likely to reject patents with women as sole applicants, which is really upsetting. So, yes. Oh, my God. Such a big WTF moment. Yeah. Uh, reading that article. Uh, so that's what makes me so excited about this coming season is that I have a feeling that season nine, it will be a real eye opener for all of the things that we just didn't know. Yeah. I mean, what the heck is up with that statistic? I want to learn right? more about that. What is going on? Mm hmm. What is going on? So uh, I think we'll learn the most next season than we've ever had before. Yeah. So get excited. All right. So so for today's episode, we are going to visit the Agora. The Agora is where we share news, big or small. So here we go. 
On last season's wrap-up, we congratulated Tisetsa M, graduated from her master's program, and now we get to do that again because Tisetsa just graduated <laughs> again and has an, another master's under her belt. She's basically like our ladies, degrees on degrees on achievements on degrees. That's right. Yep. Three masters. I mean, <laughs> listen. Yeah. Yeah. Under 30, too. Like, can we talk about that? <laughs> that's true she's doing all the things she recently completed her master's from the university of cape town with a master's in city and regional planning where she focused on the safety of public spaces from a gender sensitive perspective she also uses both architecture and urban planning to help bridge the gap of gender inequality and promote safety in cities through placemaking spatial planning and design she does a lot of things. She is also a yeah. lecturer of the interior design department at the Vega School, Cape Town. I mean, she's a carotid. She is such an inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. For real. Congrats, Tisetso. So, listeners, let's continue to share great news from you. If you have news to share, big or small, please send them to our email, shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Let's celebrate your accomplishments together. Boop, boop. All right, time to say goodbyes. Don't forget that Shebills Podcast is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. They have a bunch of great shows, including Context and Clarity, which I was just raving about earlier. Gable Media is all about building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Yes, please let us know what your thoughts were on this episode and this season. If you enjoyed this season, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your sorority brothers and sisters, the people that have their master's degrees or have graduated multiple times, people that you're impressed with. Tell your mamas because Mother's Day was just earlier this week. Tell your mamas. Tell them to give us five stars on iTunes and Spotify. Tell them to write us a review. And this will all help us reach a wider audience and for more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We are excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SheBuildsPodcast and on Twitter at SheBuildsPod. We're going on a break while we develop season nine and we'll be back in July. This is a great time to tell your friends about this season, re-listen to your favorite episodes, and start conversations about everyone you've heard about. So this is not goodbye. It's just to see you later. Until season nine. Hasta luego. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is it oh. is it gonna do beep? Did they make a sound or something? It did it already. It, already oh, okay. did it. it doesn't beep. I literally don't That's see you. Oh, oh. Wait, why? Okay. The, yeah, com why the computer is behind my screen. Let's just go. Let's just go. Oh. Please. Let's I guess I think Okay. Okay. We go have to come to your house and figure out your yeah, setup. Yeah, I'm confused as to why, like, you figure it out other weeks. What uh, do we just not remember? And the, like, yeah, and I think we have pictures. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what? Okay. Season nine, we'll get it together. It'll run smoother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ready. One, two, 
three. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.